Do you believe in God? I believe in a higher power, yes. And I don't speak to him or her purposely. I don't know the date, but I remember the day. I remember exactly where I was, where I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna see. Like I'm using myself as an experiment. What if I just don't do any of it? What if I just don't affirm, don't visualize, don't ask anybody like a higher power and I just do the work? Will it happen? Hi, baby. Hop in the Lamborghini. Huh? I'm me. I'm me. Only I'm me. Huh? Hi, baby. Hop in the Lamborghini. Left for a minute. I did not sweat it. Look at that guy just spinning. There Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Stroke of Success. Today, today we have a special guest who we've been back and forth with for a little bit. Um, I you know I I read her background. Man, it's so much to read coach podcaster all the above and i can't I, you know when i read the bio i'm like i have to have her on my podcast today is a lucky day for me sabrina welcome to a stroke of podcast thank you for having me yeah, thank you for being here sabrina so we don't live too far sabrina i have a, a house in south florida in uh, fort lauderdale and i go to or i have a house in orlando so i'm back and forth quite a bit for business so boca Raton is right in the middle of that Yes. Yes. And then you were telling me earlier, you you were born and raised in Chicago. So what I, Sabrina, what I like to do, I like to go into the childhood of a person and build from there. So talk to me, where you born? How were you born? Rich family, poor family. Tell me everything. Middle class. I was raised as a Jehovah's witness. Okay. Um, I, my parents converted when I was about five years old, literally from door knocking. Somebody came to their door, knocked. They were Catholic. I was originally baptized as a Catholic and yeah, five years after that door knock from Jehovah's witnesses, they converted, they got baptized and I was fully raised, um, as a Jehovah's witness, things were fine until I was like 17 years old when I became boy crazy. And well, I probably became boy crazy before that, but that's when I actually started getting involved with boys. And at 20 years old, I got pregnant. I was not married. That was a huge sin. And I was uh, cast out, disfellowshipped, uh, dropped from everyone I had ever known when I announced that I was going to be keeping my baby. How old were you when you got pregnant? 20. 20. Okay. This is like uh, probably what, 90s, 2000s? Yeah, I grew Well, yeah. Uh, my son was born in 2004. So okay. I guess 2003. Yeah. That's you know that time was interesting. I, I you were probably the, we're about the same age. I can tell. I do the math quickly. So that time was interesting. I think you know times have changed quite a bit, right? If that happened today, maybe it would not be the same thing. Who knows, right? Yeah. Who How knows? did that feel, Sabrina? Like, was were you feeling like my world's ending? The people I love, dude. Total depression. Yeah. Anxiety, depression, darkness, despair. Um. Because of the church, I also was um, kind of separated from my son's father also because he was not a Jehovah's Witness. So I had to like make a choice. And yeah, I led a stereotypical, just single mom broke life of literally no money, like digging in the couch cushions for 25 cents because I'm negative in my bank account, kind of poor. Um, Car getting repoed out of the parking lot, eviction notices on my apartment door every other month, having total mental breakdowns in the bathroom, dealing with postpartum, but not knowing it was postpartum because I had no one to ask questions to. The interesting thing about being raised as a Jehovah's Witness is when you get to fellowship, there's this weird line of you want to get back in because you missed your entire family, everyone you had ever known. So you want to get back in, but you can't talk to anybody. And at the same time, everyone else, the world, you also can't talk to because if they see you, they, meaning Jehovah's Witnesses or God sees you talking to somebody who's not a Jehovah's Witness, you can get in a lot of trouble. So when you get disfellowshipped, you're literally all by yourself. You can't associate with people in and you can't associate with people out. So you're fully isolated. Wow. That's a lot to unpack there. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I'm from Brooklyn, New York, raised, uh, moved to Miami 20 years ago. And I remember, um, I used to get the knock on the door, right. And, and, you know, they tried to sh- show what they're about and, and, and welcome me in. Right. I have nothing negative to say about them. I never have dealt with them. However, 
what's your point of view of, of them now? Jehovah's oh, I don't have any hard feelings. I'm fully, like, I don't want to say I'm fully healed. No one's ever fully healed, but yeah. I'm like, good. Yeah, I, I, um, my relationship with my parents has been mended okay. and um, I don't have any hard feelings. It's a, it's a religion. It's a faith. You can't knock people for believing no. a faith, you no, know? You can't. But some of the practices have been brought up in, in, you know, in, in ways that it's not very favorable, kind of, kind of, kind of like Scientology. Yeah. Right. Um, interesting enough to say, but listen to each, to each his own. And I, I wish everyone the best. So when this happened, were you were, were you here in South Florida? No, I was in Chicago. Wow. So yeah. baby happened, you're 20 years old in the mid early twenties. So what made you, what, what happened after that? What was the, um, was that the worst in your life, the, the climate? Or did it get worse after that? I, I want to say it got worse, but it just kind of depends on how you view it. I wound up in a extremely abusive relationship, but didn't know it was abusive. So um, I met a man, he had money. So I thought he was given to me by God, like for real. Cause I was like praying to God for like financial help. I was drowning yeah. in financial distress. And this guy with money shows up. And so I ignored all the red flags. There were so many red flags, but I ignored all of them because I thought it was a gift from God. And I fell hook, line, and sinker for all the tricks. He convinced me to leave my place because I couldn't afford it anyway. So he gave me a gift of moving in with him. And then I, my job sucked. So he's like, come work for me. So he gave me the gift of working for him. And then I was working 14 to 16 hour days. He was paying me $250 a week. So I was still broke. So I couldn't afford my car. I couldn't afford my car because I'm paying for groceries. I'm paying for my kid. I'm paying for food, a toilet. You know what I mean? So I'm still not able to pay like normal bills. Um, so he winds up taking over my car, giving me a new car. He winds up giving me my phone. So all these gifts, right, of helping. And I don't realize that this is a means of control. So one day I turn around, I have nothing and own nothing. Like, like literally nothing. I have no money. And I have no car, I have no phone that's mine, you know? So mental, emotional, sexual, financial abuse times 10, it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And then one day, eight years in, I'm having a total mental breakdown in the bathroom, like the kind where you're crying and screaming at the same time, because crying like isn't enough. And I took out my phone, like in the dark on the floor, I'll never forget it. And I Googled, why is my boyfriend bullying me? because I didn't know any other vernacular other than the word bully. Like bully. he's being mean to me. He's such a bully and the entire world of narcissism, emotional, mental, you know, abuse, financial abuse just hit me. And I was like, oh. so literally within that moment, like literally within that moment, I went from a total mental breakdown to total like enlightenment within 30 seconds for real, just doing a simple search, probably more like five minutes, but whatever. Um, and took my power back within a few months. I opened up a secret bank account. I started going online, searching for how to make money online. I started three online businesses and over a few years, I collected 50 grand, which does not seem like a lot of money, but for me, I felt like a millionaire back then probably it was, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I just ran away one day. Um, I took my clothes, my son and my bicycle. That's all I took. We started all over again with a mattress on the floor. I left my bougie home in West Boca Raton. I left the keys to my brand new fully loaded BMW, um, my Apple computer, my phone, everything. I left everything behind. And I started all over again with a mattress on the floor. And I've been building businesses ever since. What do you, what did he do without getting to details? What type of business was it? Sales. It was all sales. So the reason he was attracted to me is because I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. So I had been going door to door selling for like my whole life. So he was in, he was in door-to-door -door sales. So, um, snatched, snatched me right up and I was recruiting. I'm just a natural talker. So I recruited for him and I wound up taking over everything. I mean, I was literally working seven days a week, 12 to 14 hours, making two fifty a week. I was a total workhorse. He totally, you know, took advantage of that. And, um, I, we went from working in his townhouse in Chicago, working out of his townhouse to um, running six different offices over four different states. I was running 150 um, male dominated straight commission door-to-door -door sales reps 
um, creating the entire flow, the entire sales, um, marketing, everything on the back end, and um, was incredibly successful. I mean, we were making millions of dollars. Wow. You ever see him again? Since I left? No, yeah. I never saw him again. I'm sure we have, but um, we live right next to each other. We live one. <laughs> One step division away from each other. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but that was years ago. You know, that was um he might not even be living there anymore. Actually, he is still living there because I yeah. I his office is right here. So I've seen him. Um, like just the car. Um, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. Okay. So let's recap quickly. So Jehovah Witness grow up as uh got pregnant, a age 20 ish, young 20, had a son. Met the gentleman here who got uh, you a lot of gifts, um, the BMW and all the everything, the Apple uh, devices. And then you thought you figured out it was abuse, and you over not overnight, probably planned it step by step by step by yeah. step. He's probably very controlling, very smart. I mean, making that type of money, we know he's not an idiot. So no. I'm sure that was an easy thing to sleep. Okay, so you left him. How old was your son at that time when you left this guy? Five, Ooh, six. I mean, I don't even know. It was teens. So okay. my goal was to get my son out before like teen. Okay. Because that's when testosterone starts hitting. And I knew that that was not going to be a good mix. mix. So, yeah, I mean, I don't even know. 12, 13. Got it. Good. Um, so from Chicago, you then came to Florida? You met the... Oh, you no, we were in... We were in... Yeah, that... that that sales position is what took me all over. Gotcha. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah, we were opening offices all over the place. Okay. Um, yeah. So you're in Florida now. Okay. So what's what happened next? Um, well, I do what I do now. So I got into coaching. I started in health and wellness when I was with him. That was the coaching that I started in. And then eventually I pivoted uh, a few different times into several different coaching. The um, arena that I run now is for female entrepreneurs. It's called the community called Her Nation, where I help female entrepreneurs rise in the arena of sales predominantly. That's one of the biggest issues with female entrepreneurs is collecting money. And really helping them, you know, in an empowered way, as far as creating success for themselves, a voice for themselves, and a a stage for themselves. That's awesome. So let's go back to first clients. I mean, like, how do you get them coaching, dude? That coaching is a new, it's a very common thing now. Social media, you're on social media, I'm social media. Everyone's becoming a coach, right? I told you, I'm 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 starting a coaching program myself, mindset coaching, but it wasn't that common ten years ago. Right. So how, what got you into it? What, what led you to it? Um, you know, what's actually funny about this. Um, I had, I was watching, it's not funny actually. I don't know why I said it's funny. It's not funny. Uh, it's just a story. I, uh, I was huge into health and wellness. I, we had just moved down to South Florida and health and wellness is everywhere down here. And so got into yoga, got into cycling, the smoothies, all that jazz which I had actually been doing smoothies before that. But anyways, so just kind of fell into the arena of it. And I followed this one woman who I still follow. Her name is Freely. She's a vegan, which I am not a vegan. And she was just creating this beautiful empire of health and wellness for herself. Little blonde, little fairy chick. Um, and I just was enamored by her and her following and what she was doing in her community. So I just like dug into how to become a health and wellness coach. I got a few certs in the arena of, you know, health and wellness and nutrition and NASM. And I, um, that was my first little shindig. I opened mm -hmm. up a, a YouTube channel. It was called pure aspirations, aspiring to be pure. And it was all about, um, food and how that food is a catalyst for like mental health, basically physical 100%. and mental hundred percent. Um, YouTube channel. What year did you open that? Ooh. About 10 years ago. Yeah. When YouTube probably was YouTube. more than that, but yeah, YouTube I mean, right around there, it was probably more than that. You know, like I started playing with it first, sure. you know, before I started making money, but I don't even know, but yeah, 10, 10, 11, 12 years ago. Did you get like a life coach certification and all those stuff? No. Eventually, yeah, but no. When I first started, it was just health and wellness. It was health, wellness, and nutrition. 
Um, it was a few thousand dollars. Um, you know, I saved up, I was saving money anyways. I started making money. You know, I was my first initial business that I opened online. When I talk about online businesses was eBay. So that was the very first way I started making money. And I, the very first thing I ever sold was a book. It was how to give a mouse a cookie book. And I lost money on the shipping. I always tell that story, you know, like you don't know what you're doing. So I was so excited because I made like $2 and 72 cents or something. And then the book costed like $3 and 50 cents to sell or to send. So I lost like a dollar on the transaction, but then kept, you know, like kept on, learned how to do it. That's your book? Well, I just started selling my son's, like to start making money, I just started selling our stuff. Like I started selling all my son's stuff. So his books, his toys, his clothes on eBay. And that's the first time I started making money for myself. Online. That was your introduction. That's a gateway. Yeah. yeah it was eBay. I just Googled like how to make fast cash online. And everyone was like eBay. Uh, that big, I thought it was eBay and Poshmark were like the two big. So I sold my stuff on Poshmark and my son's stuff on eBay. And then I went to offer up, offer up became like a big thing. So I moved into offer up and then I started collecting money and was huge into health and wellness. So then I went into coaching. That's, that's interesting. So you're a self-starter. Okay. Like, let's talk about the eBay time. Like how, how are you surviving? Like, you know, like you have a son, you have two mouths to feed. You probably had an apartment, I'm assuming. Right. Um, Oh, when I was living alone? Just the eBay time, this time, this time, time. Oh, time. I was with my ex at that time. I was trying to get out. After, after the ex, so you leave the ex. You have, I guess, an apartment with the sun, the bed on the floor, right? Mattress on the floor. You'd be surprised. I, well, I had 50 grand, dude. So I put, um, I put a large sum on a house. <clears throat> super, dude, super business oriented here. So I bought, or um, I rented a four bedroom house with a garage. I uh, rented on Airbnb, two of the bedrooms. I was making $30 a night per bedroom. So my Airbnb was paying for my rent. I was literally living for free because Airbnb was paying for my rent. I live in Boca, so people will pay. I was booked out every day for months. Um, so that was paying for my rent. Then, I mean, if you want all transparency. Please. Um, every day, what I would do is I would leave so my day would go, I'm coaching, I'm doing my clients, I'm hosting Airbnb. So my house is immaculate to clean every single day. Then at night, I would leave the house around 10 o'clock at night and I would go around the neighborhood and I would pick up people's trash for real. End tables, lamps, containers, clothes, book stands, nightstands, lamps, because I'm living in bougie Boca. People throw away really nice things. And I filled my garage with people's trash. And so then in the morning, and I do rounds. So I'd leave my house at 10, I'd fill up my vehicle, I'd come home, drop it off, go into the house, check, make sure everything's good. I get back in my car, go out again, do another round, come back, and I'd fill my fill my garage up. The idea was to get rid of all the stuff the very next day. So I would just blast offer up. Um, with stuff super cheap. The idea wasn't to get the most amount of money per thing. The, the object of the game was to get the most amount of money in general and get rid of everything. So I'm running my clients. I'm running my online space. I'm running Airbnb. I'm being a mom and I'm selling on offer up. I'm literally on three hours of sleep for like four years in the beginning of my business. That's amazing. It's crazy, wow. dude. And I was running that thing like a real store. I actually wound up upscaling my house and renting a bigger house because I was making so much money off of people's garbage. I was making between two, two to $4,000 a month, straight cash off of selling people's trash. I got a bigger house with bigger rooms, a bigger garage. And I actually set up my garage in my, my main little like laundry area, like a store. So people would come and they'd be like, um, they'd be there for a lamp for $2 and I'd open up my whole garage and I'd be like, everything's for sale. Take it. You know, what do you want? Best price. It doesn't matter. And my job was to get all of their money. That was it. So it didn't matter if I was given away a dresser for $5 that I could get 25 from somebody else from it didn't matter. 
the idea was to just empty their wallet and get them to Zelle. So I was just giving stuff away for anything. It didn't matter. It was just get all the money. <clears throat> so people did it because they're like, holy shit, are you serious? Because they're getting deals. I mean, the amounts of stuff that I was giving was just insane because I needed to overturn the merchandise. I needed to get rid of all the merchandise so I could refill it up the next day. You are an entrepreneur. That's that's uh, my audience. They're listening and watching this. This is what you call entrepreneur, not these uh, boys and girls that jump on social media offering Forex and, and you know and say we're making seven figures and buy my program. This lady here, Sabrina, God bless you, man. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Straight cash. Negotiating <laughs> like a fiend, dude. I Down here in Florida, you know, there's Haitians. The Haitians do give you a run for your money, dude. I became like so fast, so quick. Um, and they'd always come back. They'd always come back. I had like, like weekly, the same people coming. We had like a business going, you know, they knew they'd get deals from me so they could send it back home. And it was just a beautiful synergy, you know? Really? What's the, t what year is this? I, I, I like timelines around what? I mean, dude, within the last eight years, probably. Wow. Look yeah. at you. Did your son, like, how was it? I, by the way, full, full disclosure, I'm from, I I told you earlier, I was raised by my single mother and grandmother uh, in New York City. And, you know, it was tough not having a father figure, right? Um, how was it for your son? How was it for you raising a, a, a man? How, how was that? Well, what were the challenges for that? Um, You know, my son and I have an absolutely amazing relationship. I, it sounds bad because everyone says this is like the worst, but like, I really do consider my son a really good friend. Um, we've just always had a really close relationship. I've always treated him like a person. I've never treated him like a child. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I've always spoken to him like a person. Um, we negotiate as mom and son, as far as, you know, chores and money and, and even discipline. Um, but I'm very aware of, I've always been very aware of his, his ability as a, as like a person and I'm very, uh, attuned to not degrade, like for what I'm talking about, just to be open. Um, he's a talker. He loves to talk and he's super funny. The guy is so funny. He gets my humor and, uh, it's a very quick witted humor. And so he would always be in trouble at school, not for being disrespectful, but because he'd get everyone laughing. And so I don't, every single week, at least a different teacher of, of some sort is calling me up saying your son, again, he's in the back, he's in the corner, he's in the front, he's moving him around all over the place because he's just always making little smart, little comments, never disrespectful. They always said he's not disrespectful. He's the kindest, most sweetest guy ever, but he's just disruptive. And so, um, but I never disciplined him for that. Never. I'd always just say, listen, if you don't want to be getting detentions, um, maybe don't do that anymore. But like, I think it's an awesome trait. So I'm not going to discipline you for it, but you got to work it out at school. Um, he graduated on time. Like everything's fine. His grades are great, but. What does he do now? He's also an entrepreneur. He runs a company called Boost Now Media. Uh, he uh, helps real estate agents put Facebook and Google ads online. So he teaches them how to do that. He has a done for you and do it yourself. I would love to uh, his information. I'm a real estate agent, my day job. So, and I have a team, I have a whole team. So I, I would love to talk to your son. Yeah. He's great. He's what? 20 years old. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good for you. Good for you. What a, what a, what a, a surprising story. You help addicts. Did I, did I read that right? Uh, people that are, are in recovery or when I get into recovery? Yeah. Yeah. I run talk a sobriety community. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't talk about it as openly, uh, but yeah, I've been sober for 17 years. And when I met my fiance, he uh, has also been sober about the same, but he did the traditional detox rehab AA. I don't know if you know that. Lineage. I am familiar. I have, I have two friends that had to support them through. So I know everything about rehab. And Perfect. Perfect. So yeah. So when I met him, I went to my very first AA meeting and 
if you know anything about AA, especially as a coach, getting into coaching yourself, the way that they teach things in AA and the way that they teach things in coaching is not the same. It's very different. And so I didn't necessarily appreciate the way AA was run. And I voiced that very early on. And so I'm just a natural entrepreneur, business-minded person. So I, about the 12th time of going just randomly over the course of a few months, I was like, I want to start a business. So it's literally started a business called Sober Society. We help on the relapse, uh, prevent the relapse. So they do the whole thing, however they want to get sober. And then we come in as creating the new identity, um, um, shifting the limiting beliefs and moving them into the world without the high percentage of relapse that happens, you know, after getting sober. That's amazing. Relapse prevention is what we call it. South Florida is a, it's a big hub for rehabs right now. The Mecca. We didn't know, you know, like I didn't, it just yeah. so happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I went with my friend to this old men's group down in plantation. It was, it was a, it was a decent group. I, I see what you mean. They could be a, a little aggressive sometimes in some ways. And it's, it's a very, it's a very male dominating culture. The 12 steps, 12 steps. It is very male dominated, a hundred percent. One of the biggest issues um, that I had just so the audience knows is just the I am statements. I think that if you're trying to not drink alcohol, telling yourself I am an alcoholic is like the worst thing you could possibly do. You know, if, if you were my coach uh, for losing weight and every time I came to see you, I'm a fat so I would, yeah, I'm you made so. me say that I'm like, a I'm so. a fatty. Like how degrading and unhelpful and unempowering is that? I agree. Worse. I thought about the same thing. What I, based on my, what I uh, learned in my journey of self-development, I am of the most most powerful words. So every morning I drive my girls to school. They're six and five. We do a prayer. um, Then we do the uh, gratitude. Thank you, God. And then we end it with the I am statement. And it's so funny you brought that up. I am beautiful. I am enough. I am gorgeous. I'm smart. I am, you know, uh, a money magnet. I'm intelligent and all that good stuff. But anyways, and I was thinking the same thing. So so funny you brought this up. Like you keep reminding yourself all the time. I'm, by, by the way, I'm sure they have their logic. I'm sure they have their reasoning behind it. I, I uh, They don't want you, I think they don't want you ever to forget maybe. And, um, but you're right. I mean, um, to keep, you keep, if you want to reprogram the subconscious, how are you going to do that? If you keep saying, I'm an addict, I'm an addict. Hi, I'm John. I'm an addict, by the way. And this is my story. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And then all they do is talk about alcohol the whole time. Their story, the things, a lot of them glorify it. I'm like, dude, I'm freaking having cravings going to these meetings. I've never had a craving since I stopped. Like for real. Did you? Did you find other people felt, felt the same way like you? Or they don't really open up, do they? Like they, it's, it's you know. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. I never had conversations like that in the rooms because that's can. disrespectful. <clears throat> but yeah, outside the rooms, just in normal talk, when I bring it up, a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the people are like, agree. Yeah. You mind sharing what was your. DOC drug was choice or you want to Oh that? alcohol but it wasn't like that. I um I was just being a shitty mom. My ex was using alcohol to low key rape sexual coerce me so he would get me plastered on rum and coke and then take advantage of me sexually and then I'd wake up bloody and bruised and then he'd be like you asked for it you wanted it why are you pretending that you didn't whatever. So between that and then just waking up with hangovers with my son, I had to like make a choice. Like, what am I doing with my life? So it was literally, I don't even know what the day was. It wasn't a whole thing. I didn't know about AA. I didn't know about sobriety. I didn't know this was even an issue. I was just totally naive to it. And literally just one day he offered me, when I came over, he offered me my normal rum and Coke and like a big gulp glass. And I, it was a Saturday. That's all I know. And he offered, and I said, eh, I don't really want to drink tonight. And he didn't say anything. He's like, okay, cool. He just drank it. Um, we went out partying that night. 
and I woke up the next day on a Sunday and I felt great. I was like, oh my gosh, I have no hangover. This is phenomenal. And so I just, that was like the last drink I ever had. I didn't know it was going to be the last drink I ever had, uh, but it was. How many years? Well, so that was not, that was the last drink that I turned, that I saw, I guess, or that was like offered to me. I did not have a drink that night. So, so you said 10 years sobriety? 17. 17. Wow. Look at you. Maybe even 18 because I quit when my son was like barely walking. Look at you. Yeah. It was like this epiphany that I had. I had come home. It was just like a few things, but like I had come home and I was like, let's play Legos. And we were on the floor playing Legos. And I was like laying down playing with him and I passed out. And I might've been sleeping for two seconds. I might've been sleeping for two hours. I don't even know. Woke up. And my poor son is like not sitting anymore. He's like laying down. And I and I literally just had this whole thing of like, what am I doing? Like, I'm a good mom. And this is making me a shitty mom. So I, you know, that was one of the epiphanies. What a story, man, Sabrina. What a story you have. Wow. Man, this should be a movie based on your life. I'm telling you, I'm a movie guy. I'm a big, I have my... my... <laughs> This is what I call a second part of my life. I'm 41 years old. Um, I'm doing all my dreams now. So first part of college and marriage and this and that. Now it's been moving me, filmmaking, writing a book, speaking on stages. So your stories are inspiring. Your story is inspiring me to write a movie about your life. So I love that. It, uh, it really is. Yeah, That's- it's definitely on my bucket list for real. To, oh, it, uh, it, to it is okay. Some- yeah, it really is. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if I want to do a movie though. I'm actually more, yeah, of a series. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, that's what I was thinking too. Um, so you're a coach. You speak on tech TEDx stages. I saw. That's amazing. Just yeah, that's just announced. Um, It's a big freaking deal. Yeah, I'm so stinking excited. So how many businesses do you have right now? Twenty twenty three. Twenty. September 24th today. How many businesses do you have right now? Three. Uh, Human Better 365 is my main company. Okay. Um, That's where like all my funds go through. And then Her Nation, Female Entrepreneurs and Sober Society. Three businesses that bring you revenue. Hmm? You stopped the uh, buying old furniture and reselling. Yeah. Yeah. I did it for a long time. I did it for way longer than I totally had to. I loved it. Like I actually almost created a business. Like I was going to go all, I was going to open up a warehouse and start buying, pal- you know, the pellets. The pal- yeah, yeah, pellets. Pellets, pellets. Yeah. Um, it, it's such a lucrative business and it, it was so much cash. Um, and, but it's hard work, dude. I mean, you're lifting, you're hauling, you're moving, you're, it's manual labor. So when I, the joy, like the quickness, the joy, the negotiating this, I loved. Um, it's very much like door-to-door sales, like quick, 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 quick. But I would have gotten old, like way faster doing that than the coaching, you know, arena that I'm in now. That's insane. So I had to make a choice. Okay. If you feel, if you don't mind uh, sharing, how many coaching clients do you have? How many do I have right now? Your range. How many have I had? I have right now. Currently. That depends. What do you mean by coaching? I mean, I in my membership, I have almost a hundred. Okay. Um, but like high-end coaching that I'm literally doing one-on-ones with, three right now. I like to quantify um, you know, from zero to a hundred in six years. You know what I mean? That's why I'm asking for this. So you said how yeah, many I mean, my, my, her, her mastermind, which I make a residual on is $47 a month. I have just under a hundred in there. Um, and then I have my one-on-one coaching for female entrepreneurs, but then remember, I'm also, I also have coaching for sober society, you know, which is split with my fiance. Um, so it just kind of depends. And I'm not a full coach with sobriety. I come in on different days with different avenues within our curriculum. There are certain things that I am a master at that I come in and I coach in. Okay. Um, but I don't really consider them 
like full on clients because I'm literally just touching them, you know, two to three times throughout the duration of their sessions with my fiance. You said you have three one on one, other ones about group coaching? My three one on ones are female entrepreneurs. Those are my clients. One on one. That's you, one on one. Okay. Yeah. And then you also offer group coaching, like one once a week, Monday, you get on, on a Zoom like this and have a bunch and of those are, Yeah, my mastermind is very much group. Like yeah, that. we all meet together. We have all kinds. We have um, we have our mastermind that we run Mondays and Thursdays. I have a networking that I run on Tuesdays. I teach sales on Wednesdays. So sometimes there's, you know, 50 people in the room and sometimes there's 10 people in the room. It just kind of depends. Okay. Interesting. So your three one-on-one, are they like high profile, high earning people? Yeah. They're paying a lot. So without getting into detail, like what do they do for like doctors or lawyers or I mean, just to get an no, idea. They're coaches. They're regular coaches. But they come um, to you. Yeah. Interesting. On, on money, dude, women have huge, I don't want to say women, people, but I think women have more of an issue of this, of just like how to ask for the sale, how to create a flow of money that's consistent, that comes to them. It's very difficult. And for people, and I've been in sales my whole life. I've been knocking on doors since I was five years old, hawking religion. So for me, and the dom- the male dominated arena that I was in, um, door-to-door sales, we talked about money. All the time. Like if somebody got a check that was, you know, five thousand, six thousand dollars, that wasn't a secret. We would tell everybody, hey, you know, Joe Schmo, Greg, you know, look at his check. We'd actually show the check. Like that's not normal. Like you don't just go around the world and being like, hey, how much money do you make? I do. Like I'll go up to people and I'll be like, Hey, how much money do you make? How much money do you make per hour? How much money do you make per year? How much money do you make? Well, I don't understand what the big deal is, but other, if you do that around normal people, they're like, what the hell, Sabrina? So I don't have this whole like block that a lot of people have of like, let's, we don't talk about money. We don't talk about prices. We don't talk about, I do. So, you know, getting individuals comfortable with talking about their pricing and the transparency of that is something that people need. Did you learn uh, certified in NLP? Yeah, I'm a master. So you could teach me that? <laughs> do you? Do you offer- teach- I'm not a teacher. I don't teach teachers. I, I thought you, when you get certified, go ahead. Yeah, that's a different, um, I was taught by a teacher who teaches. Oh. That's a different realm. I didn't, I have, I mean, I could teach it to you. Yeah, but I'm not certified Sorry. to teach. Um to teach the teacher. I teach, I coach the student using it. How do you, do you think it helped? How does it help? How does NLP help someone? I mean, it reframes. So, you know, for instance, one of my biggest ones was a situation where my dad and my sister and I were sitting on the couch when I was like 12 years old and my sister and I were watching like Beyonce or Janet Jackson, I don't know, a brown woman um, singing. And we were like, oh, look at her. Ooh. And then my dad was like, don't pay attention to that. That's all gibberish. That woman sold her soul to the devil. Mm. And that has stayed with with me my whole life of like, if I, a woman who becomes wealthy has sold herself to the devil, one, two, you have to sell yourself to the devil, three, even if you don't have to sell yourself to the devil, but I make that much money, my dad will think I sold my soul to the devil. It's very heavy. It's very heavy. So NLP teaches a reframing technique of going back pulling it up, dissecting it as to where I was, what was my dad's thinking? What was my dad's perspective? Where's my dad's fear? How much money is he making? The blocks that he has to have in order to justify why he isn't there, why he's where he's at, right? There's all these things that are also going on in my dad's mind. So me being able to go back, reframe the whole situation of like, this has nothing to do with me or him or anything. This is 
a whole other perspective from him and being able to fix the blocks going forward that also have that same exact block that I blocked myself because of that in order to release myself. And it's a continuous thing. It's not like they say you can do it in one hit. I've never done any of my in one hit to be truthful. Um, it's a continuous, yeah, to continuously bring myself back and remember. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of it is just that's amazing. That, yeah. I can, I can use that dude. I have so many blocks in my head of childhood and money doesn't grow on trees and, you know, people saying that you'll never amount to anything, you know what I mean? Like, and I think I have, it holds me back. I'm being full oh. transparent with you on my own podcast here. And um, I think I need to call uh, an uh, NLP certified person, right? Yeah. They can help me. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I call you. I'll call you and we'll talk to, talk, talk to the person who taught you. Who knows? Yeah. But wow, it works good. Yeah. People told me, Tony Robbins, I mean, the major players in, in our, in this in, in coaching and podcasts, and they talk about it quite often. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's what Tony is. Tony is a, an NLP practitioner. I'm actually a higher grade than he is. He didn't actually go all the way up. I'm actually Tony Robbins. Yeah. I'm actually certified higher than Tony Robbins is. Have you ever seen his shows? Have you been to his seminars? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been to, I've walked on fire twice. How did that, how was that for you? Dude, his, his stuff, I'm addicted. Some people say the whole thing is a freaking show. Dude, I love Tony Robbins. The energy he brings, the storytelling is magnificent. The way he pulls from the audience is just magical. And dude, the firewalk, like the vibration of humans together, cheering each other on is like nothing I have ever seen in my whole life. I mean, it brings you to the point of wanting to break down in tears of like, wow, we are so for each other. We are so for each other in an atmosphere where we're not, but really understanding that like deep down we are. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. And that's his, that's his doing. I mean, it's, the way he has the whole thing set up, it's organized. It's gorgeous watching it. Definitely something to live up to as a coach. I want to go. Yeah. Are you in self-development like a lot? Like you go to other, are you into other people? You know, um, Joe, what's the guy's name? The law of attraction, right? There's a lot of people in, in the law of attraction world that are speakers and self-development. Are you into that stuff? Yeah. I mean, I've listened, I listen to a lot of them. Um, I've done the gratitude course. I've done Tony Robbins. I've done landmark. I don't know if you've ever done landmark. Before. I heard about landmark. That's pretty, it's pretty intense. That's intense. Yeah. A lot of people call that cult. Like it's not dude. It's just like, it's, it's all just mindset, dude. It's all mindset. Do you it's recommend mindset. landmark for everyone? Yes, absolutely. Uh, landmark. I think is one of the most expensive. I stayed with them for a while. I did like three courses with them. <clears throat> and uh and yeah, YouTube podcasts, all the things. Yeah. The law of attraction, you believe in it? No. No. The first guest of mine said no. The first guest of today's you made history on the Stroke of Success podcast today. First guess. So, talk to me. Why don't you believe in law of attraction, dude? I think the first whole. First of all, I'm sorry, Sabrina. Sorry. Let's just let's define what it means to you. I'll I'll define what it means to me. And then you tell me. You okay. think about I, it. I I believe I saw the secret. I've seen the secret 22 times. Okay. Literally. So you think about uh, it. Yeah, you think about visualize it. Visualize it. Visualize it, and then it becomes. No, I I disagree with that. Oh, okay. So tell me. So I say you think about it. You, you, you can pray about it. You can pray how you pray. You know, you can visual, you should visualize such a vision board, all that stuff. With that being said, then you have to take action. Okay. And once you take action, I do believe that the RS, the reticular activated system will start working more in combination of the universe or God. And it all comes together. That's my definition. You tell me yours. Okay. So, so then in that case, <clears throat> the law of attraction is the steps 
to which something can occur. Okay. I don't know. I'm just more of a realism. I'm more of a realistic. So to me, it's like, sure, have a, I have a, I have a vision board. Um, for me, dude, you got to do stuff. Like people are like, how did you do the TEDx? All of a sudden, my whole email box, TED, oh my gosh, how did you do it? What did you do? What were the steps? What were the blah, 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 blah. Did you visualize it? What was it on your board? Was this a thing? Yeah, it was hundred percent on, on my thing. It was. Some people are, people are calling it God. People are putting it on me. God gave this to you. Good luck. Um, God bless you. God has blessed you. And then other people are like, Ooh, you affirmed it. It was your vision. It was the same thing, just different words for me. I wanted to be on more stages. I sat down one day and I was like, what are the things that I have to do in order to make sure that I get on the stages? One of them being TEDx. Was that on my list? Yeah. TED talk is on my list, not TEDx. TED talk is on my list. Um, and what are the steps that I need to do in order to get that to happen? I have to be seen. I have to get on more stages. I have to be, I have to talk more. I have to know my story. I have to show up. I have to be consistent. And I did all of those things over and over and over and over again. You know that I did not apply to get on to Ted. They came to me. Wow. That's not a thing. That is not a thing. And I can tell you right now, I did not pray to anybody. I did not ask anybody. I did not meditate on this. I took the power in myself and I said, what do I need to do in order to make sure that at some point in my life, this happens? Okay, but you just said I it right now. You had, you, had, you had the in in intent and desire. Yeah. Right. You had in your mind and then you took the action. And then I took the action. We're saying the same thing. This is what I'm saying though. This is what I'm saying. So other people, if I, you were a Christian, yeah. my friend, if you were yeah. a Christian. You pray and, yeah. they, and then it come. No, no, no. I agree. Disagree with that. No disrespect to Christians, Muslim, Jewish. I'm Muslim, right? No disrespect to any religion you were talking here. It's not about religion, but I see what you mean. You can't just sit there and say, pray to God that my roof gets fixed. But now you can pray to God help me my roof as a whole and you can call some people and say hey like you know a good roof yes i do know okay boom 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 hey can i borrow some money boom boom you know and, and now you're putting their work and then you're gonna come together that's my belief yeah but you sit there and say mm, my lamborghini's gonna come to my driveway i don't i don't know i don't know yeah yeah right i don't know i believe that as humans we have power I believe that we are, we are very powerful beings. And I think that if we do the work, if we show up and if we create a plan and if it's systematic, then the fruits of our labor, of our labor will be repaid. And um, do you believe in God? I believe in a higher power. Yes. And I don't speak to him or her or whatever it is purposely. That might rub people the wrong way, but I really yeah. don't. So I don't know, just a long time ago, I remember the day. I I don't know the date, but I remember the day. I remember exactly where I was, where I just said, you know what? I'm just going to see. It's like an experiment. Like I'm using myself as an experiment. What if I just don't do any of it? What if I just don't affirm, don't um, visualize, don't ask anybody like a higher power and i just do the work will it happen i don't know so i'm really excited when i'm like 80 years old to sit down on podcasts when i'm 80 and to be able to say i mean i don't know if there's a god or not a god or if he helps or doesn't help or if affirmations work or don't work those could also work and i did it this other way and that also worked to give hope to people who don't believe because this is what I don't think is fair. My friend, I don't think it's fair that you have to feel this obligation to believe in something in order to get ahead. I feel like all humans should be able to get ahead. I don't feel like single moms who have been abandoned 
by their God and their family and their community and their religion should have to fail just because somebody else said you're a bad person. I feel like that person should be able to succeed no matter what. Hmm. That's deep, Sabrina. That yeah, dude. Sabrina. Like I was in a bad spot and everyone told me I was going to fail. Everyone said. People afterwards, they were like, I can't even believe you did that. I thought you were going to fail. And I'm over here like you never even reached out. You literally, what does that mean? Like you thought I was going to die? You thought I was going to end up in jail? You Like, what do you mean I was going to fail? And you didn't reach out. Like that was my punishment. Dude, that's mean. That is so mean. And I don't want people to think that. I don't want people to think that they have to belong to something that they have been kicked out of. Not because they wanted to, but because they were being a human. I was being a human, my friend. I was not being malicious. I wasn't robbing people. I wasn't killing people. I literally was just being human. I was having intercourse, like a human. And I got pregnant. That's sad, dude. That's so sad. And then everyone's like, shame on you. Fail. You're a failure. You're going to fail now at everything you do. You've thrown your whole life away for this. You're a disgrace. Literally. Mm. And I lived in that story for a really long time. And there's so many people, men and women, who are living in that same story. The narrative. Yeah. Dude. Not fair. We're all people. We're all humans. We all bleed the same. And it doesn't matter what your family or your society or your religion or your mom or your dad or your grandma or your job says, you have the ability to succeed. No matter your faith, no matter your, no matter nothing, you have the ability because you have the power within you. And I really do believe that. That's deep. I mean, I don't know. Wow, Sabrina, that's good stuff, man. Wow. Do you have a lot of friends, Sabrina? (laughs) Dude. I mean, I I'm, think I the reason I'm asking is that, you know, this, this stuff, it, it, it can rub people the wrong way, right? You have to write very open-minded people to say, yo, I love you. And I'm, I, let's talk about this and let's process it. But you know what? That's you. This is me. And that's what we're going to be. But, you know, like I have friends, groups of friends that me, if I share my stuff, what I really feel, I don't think they're going to be my friend too long. You know what I mean? But I'm just like, so you're, you're an open book. I like that. I mean, I don't know. This is the whole thing. No one knows, dude. No one knows for real. They just don't. No one knows for real. You can have faith in all the things, whatever you want. People do. People have faith in all kinds of things. You don't really know. You don't really know. I like that. Uh, Sabrina, we're going to wrap it up uh, in a few minutes. So sucks talk about any else thing you want to talk about a project you're working on? I mean, who's the ideal avatar? And for my audience, you can say, Hey, KB, if you're this, this, this person, female, male, this age, and you have this issue, I can help you. Give me that avatar. Um, I work with female entrepreneurs who are looking to make six figures in their business. They're a year or two into their own business as it is may or may not be floundering around and uh, really looking to be successful, really looking to pick up the pace and be in and amongst a community of females who are on the same route. So I have a person for you, my wife. My wife is getting into entrepreneurship real soon. And um, and I, I think she'll be a good um, a good person to be part of your group. So so a female entrepreneur, okay. Do you help men in any way? Uh, at this exact moment, no, but yes, I am working on, um, another division for that as we speak, actually. So probably within by next year, but if I called you tomorrow and say, Hey, um, Oh, I work with men one-on-one. My client right before you was a man. Gotcha. Perfect. Yeah. One-on-one. I work more so with, with, uh, with men actually than women when it comes to my one-on-one clients over the years. How would you help me? Mindset? Um, yeah, 
I mean, yes, I work more structure, dude. I'm very systematic. I'm very like structure systems, what's in place funnels. I'm like a realist dude. And what that. is creating money? So like I told you earlier, I'm, I'm launching my uh, stroke success mindset coaching program. I, I, I don't know if I told you my story. I had a stroke five years ago, South Florida, right side just gave in. I was in a coma for one whole week. My wife was told to call everyone to come say goodbye. It was it. Last, that was it. Last story. My wife was nine months pregnant. I had a daughter running around and, uh, you know, how old plus, were you? You're 45. 41. I was 35. Christmas morning, by the way, Christmas morning, 2017, this all happened. Yeah. Fort Lauderdale, uh, not too far from you. And, uh, I was, I woke up news day and my right side didn't work. I went to rehab, couldn't speak. had to learn how to talk, walk again. And, uh, you know, my job left me, director of marketing role left me to say, we waited too long for you and moved to my in-laws. I'm broken. I'm like crying. My, you know, I'm a loser. I moved my, my, my in-laws. Uh, second baby's on the way. Uh, no job. Every time I did an interview like this in Zoom, I, my speech was so bad. And I'm like, you know what? My wife's like, babe, why don't you do sales? You you did sales before, do real estate. And I started doing self-development. And Patrick Bidet was a big influence in my life. And Tony Robbins. I love him. Yeah. Who, Patrick? Yes. Oh, Patrick's amazing. I saw him recently in Hollywood. And he did it. Um, he's amazing. What a story of his. Yes. Oh, I love that. You should come to his thing. Uh, it comes. It happens every year. It's called the Vault in Hollywood, down the road from you. Three day event. You will love it. He goes over the, the different type of frames and higher and fire and good stuff. But Patrick's been a big influence in my life. All my friends make fun of me. Like you're 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 a fine fine boy of his. But you know, in self development and got into sales, became a team leader. They started buying businesses and things changed for me. So. So I, I think I will be a good client of yours to help me put the frame, but I'm not very organized in many ways. I am some way, but not all the ways. Right. Yeah. And that's holding me back. I know it is. Yeah. So Yeah. The training that I did, the coach that I was right before I opened up her nation was time management organization. That's actually my niche that I teach in the most right before COVID I was going into small businesses and um, helping with their time management organization, procrastination with themselves and their teams. And then COVID happened. Um, I had 12 clients at the time, paying clients. All 12 of them called me within like a week asking for their money back. And uh, I lost all my business overnight. Oh back. My Everyone has a story like that. That's but, um, yeah, so I had to move everything uh, virtually. Went all in on the females. Um, they say pro pro to pro procrastinate, some words I cannot pronounce, so bear with me. To protect, procrastinate, procrastinate, it stems from your childhood. Is that true? Um, I mean, we're going through all of the things that are like weird, Sabrina. So I don't believe in procrastination. Okay. So procrastination, I believe we all procrastinate. <clears throat> right now, you and I are being productive. But we're also procrastinating in every other area of our life. We could be working out right now. You could be hanging out with your wife right now. You could be spending time with your kids right now. You could be working on your business. You could be doing a program. So thousand things. So to me, procrastination is like, it's everywhere. You can't even get rid of it. We have this heaviness of like, oh, I'm a procrastinator and I'm a procrastinator. Dude, I am a procrastinator and I work 24 seven all the time. I'm always freaking working. And I, right now I'm also procrastinating. It's everywhere all the time. So it doesn't even exist. It's just like, it's life. It's just life. It's just like a word for life. So what I concentrate on is three things. I concentrate on where's your um, energy peaks? Where do you peak in energy? Along with the lineage of the time. And then what are you focusing on? So it's focus or attention, energy, and time. So I pull focus on three things. And that's what we do to create a um, sustainable, um, you know, productive days for yourself. Awesome. Uh, I think we're running out of time. I know you're super busy, Sabrina. Where can my audience, my, my people find you? SabrinaVictoria.com. Website. Yeah, that's me. I saw Everything's it. on there. Beautiful. Your IG's on there. Your, all your social media handles are on there. Beautiful website, by the way. 
everything. Yep. Very, very informing. Um, Sabrina, you're awesome. You know what? When I'm in town, South Florida, again, um, we should meet up. We should do a part two face to face podcast with all you know. That'd be fun. You know, every if you're ever here in Orlando, give me a call. We'll have lunch or dinner. I'd love to meet my introduce my wife to you. I think she'll love you. Um, you know, I was about to say God bless you, but you know what? <laughs> bless yourself. Yeah. <laughs> a good you're talk. So funny. I've been to all kinds. I'm on Christian podcasts all the time. That's awesome. Um, yeah, dude, I'm open to all of it. I'm I'm here for it, dude. I'm here for it. I'm here for you. I'm here for the humans. That's I really like that. I like that. Here, sir. Sabrina, you know what? I, I didn't think I'd enjoy this much as a, as, I, as I did. Honestly, I'm like, you know, but I really enjoyed this. That doesn't happen. It happens, but sometimes, you know, some interviews are a little bit boring, but this one was a really good one. So, th Sabrina, thank you for jumping on today and uh, let's stay in touch. Yes. Thank you, Sabrina.